Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and as cliche as it is, this spooky season, I want to talk about fear. Not specifically about what goes bump in the night, but about the raw, sometimes uncontrollable human emotion that we feel in reaction to what goes bump in the night. Fear is an emotion closely tied to survival because it triggers some sort of physical response from us in reaction to what we consider a threat, right? Like even if we're not in any real danger, if we see something or perceive something we think might be dangerous, we react in a certain way to keep ourselves safe or what our brain thinks is going to keep us safe. So this is often an unconscious response, whether it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I'm not talking about Bambi. Fawning means to try to please whatever it is that might cause harm. It's sort of like being confronted by a hungry lion and saying to it, nice kitty, please don't eat me. My friend here is much more delicious. Now, what's interesting about fear is that it's often socially conditioned, right? Like we aren't just born with the fear of something. We have to learn that that something is a threat, right? Oftentimes, that's through a direct personal experience that might cause some trauma, like if a kid touches a hot burner on the stove. But it doesn't have to be that direct. Like for me, the thought of the deep ocean terrifies me. Why? I've never been out there. It's because you see movies like Jaws and Deep Blue Sea, and you read things like the fact that 80% of the ocean's unexplored. And so in this way, you're sort of conditioned to think that the ocean, or rather what could be in the ocean, is a threat to you. So therefore, you fear it. And how do we respond to fear? Flight, fight, freeze, or fawn. When it comes to the ocean, I choose flight. I'll gladly remain a landlubber. Now, if you've watched any of my episodes in the last year, you probably know where this is going. And yes, I'm going to make this about the class struggle. What do working class people fear? Well, in the current system that we live in that withholds our basic needs behind a paywall, we fear not being able to afford what we need to survive. So if we're able to work for a paycheck, we fear losing that job and what little stability it brings because not earning a paycheck means not being able to afford food, rent, electricity. Being fired is a threat to our survival. And what do we do when we perceive a threat? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. In this context, I think the most common response for a long, long time has been fawning. In order to protect our jobs, we keep our heads down, do our jobs well enough to keep our bosses happy, Toe the company line, don't rock the boat. That's what we've been conditioned to do. And don't get me wrong, this is totally valid. I get it. Having a job does mean some stability, and you have every right to protect that stability as you see fit. But remember, the people in power dangle that stability above our heads to squeeze as much productivity out of us as possible. So is it really that stable if they can just take it all away? So now, let's consider what the boss fears. Again, in the current system that prioritizes profits over anything else, and not just that, but more and more profits every year, every quarter, the boss fears losing profits. And when your profits require exploiting your labor force, you're depending on the employees to keep to themselves, tow the company line. In other words, the boss fears you and your coworkers coming together and saying, enough is enough, we demand more. Last October, simultaneously, we saw Striketober and the Great Resignation, where folks were quitting their jobs by the millions. This mass exodus was an outlet for working class folks looking to escape to flee horrible working conditions, unlivable wages, whatever. 
But many folks on the left, myself included, pointed out that the folks quitting their jobs would likely soon discover that the next job, next boss, next workplace is just as bad. This October, we saw and are seeing a popular trend in quiet quitting, which is the opposite of hustle culture, where folks are simply refusing to go above and beyond for work and do the bare minimum of their job description. And while it's still an individualistic response and doesn't really accomplish much material change, similar to what we saw in the Great Resignation, I would argue that it's a small shift in class consciousness. Folks are recognizing the exploitation in their workplaces and are resisting in their own little way. Again, totally valid. But we have to recognize that not all workers are capable of setting their own strict boundaries at work as their productivity is literally tracked by the bosses and any blip in their performance can result in a termination. And many isolated individuals simply not working as hard in their respective workplaces is not the same thing as collective coordinated action. But here's the thing. The striketober trend from last year never really ended. Since the start of this year, there have been close to 300 strikes. The Warrior Met coal miners are still on strike after over 500 days. A thousand fast food workers at the San Francisco International Airport organized a strike to win a raise in more affordable health care. We saw the largest nurses strike in U.S. history in Minnesota, and we came within hours of a national railway shutdown that would have caused serious disruptions in the supply chain, and that situation still isn't completely over. This growing number of organized workplace actions is great news for labor unions. According to Gallup, 71% of Americans approve of labor unions. This is the highest approval rating since 1965. Amazon and Starbucks have kind of been dominating the media spotlight, but we're seeing union drives at Trader Joe's, Chipotle, Geico, and many college campuses. Now, the power of a union comes from a collective decision to withhold labor, and a work stoppage is even more impactful when it causes a major disruption and threatens profits. That's why a national railway strike would be so powerful. Now, to be fair, the railroad industry is sort of a special case. The Railway Labor Act was passed because of massive strikes were causing so many disruptions that the government had to step in because railroads are vital to the function of the economy. And so that piece of legislation is one of the rare cases where the government has an explicit role in mediation in the private sector between the workers and the bosses. But mediation implies a fair compromise, and that's just not the case here. So at the end of a cooling down period in September, on the brink of a national strike, Biden and leadership from the three biggest railroad unions announced a tentative deal to avoid a disruption. And that deal includes, as far as anyone can tell, a single paid sick leave day, no penalty for taking unpaid time off for medical appointments, and some sort of an actual work schedule rather than the workers being on call and not knowing if they have to make a trip. Yeah, that deal, that bare minimum, was immediately touted as a success by the political establishment, and the White House declared that a national strike had been avoided. But this deal is not nearly enough, and it's a slap to the face of the railroad workers who just want enough time to go to a doctor and see their families. The railroad unions have been reviewing and voting on the tentative agreement, which could take a couple more weeks. Some of them have already voted against it, and it looks like there could still be a substantial railway shutdown if even just one of the unions decides to strike. And all workers should be in support of railroad workers choosing to fight back, even if it means some disruptions. We need to stand in solidarity with each other because the boss can choose to fight back as well. And they largely have labor laws in their favor right now. So organizing a union doesn't guarantee a victory. The strength of a union isn't the union itself. It comes from the workers. 
and the workers should lead each other in strategies that builds pressure, threatens profits, and scares the boss into fawning and giving us our demands. Let's get into the spooky season spirit, shall we? Thanks for listening, and don't be scared to join me next time.